0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mindset to Mastery podcast. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, president and chief outcome facilitator of the CARS group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace, manage and lead through change. On this episode of Mindset to Mastery, we are going to be talking about um, inclusion in action. And if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you are aware that part of my, um, my consultancy focuses on um, engagement, learning, leadership, and um, in, in particular, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. But with all of the hoopla, quote unquote, um, around diversity and inclusion and ways in which companies are pivoting to address systemic racism and uh, social injustice, there always comes back to this question of what does inclusion look like in action? And so I really wanted to talk to you today about how can you create a culture? How can you create a community? How can you create an environment that is um, inclusion in action? Not just paying lip service, not just um, conducting trainings and hoping for the best, but actually having your organization become a model of what it looks like To be inclusive to be diverse to be equitable and to promote a sense of belonging for everyone so with that being said the number one thing that i want you to start with is that this is more about a mindset shift than it is about a checklist of do's and don'ts even though in my podcast i give you strategies i give you actionable items i give you tips i give you best practices I don't want you to go into this thinking that this is simply a checklist of things that you do or things that you don't, and then poof, you will be included. And true diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, creating a community and a culture that celebrates that, that embraces that, that is anti-racist, that that is a safe place for people to show up fully, wholly and authentically requires that a mindset shift take place in the people in your organizations. So this isn't about training to change behavior. This isn't about mandating things that people should do and don't do and, and not do. This is about being open to the process of changing your mind so you can master your success. So to reach across the divide and build bridges to the other side, you must first let go of what you think you know. So let's suspend all the information overload, I would say, that we've been privy to. Let's suspend all of the things that have been in the press about diversity and inclusion and what it looks like and what it means. Let's suspend the social media posts of people, you know, dueling over what they think is wrong with D&I. Let's instead start with a blank slate. Let's start with an open mind. And let's think about this from the standpoint of, What does diversity and inclusion look like? What does it mean from a business perspective, but also from an organizational perspective? So if you are a leader, if you are a, a manager, if you are a supervisor, if you own a business or a company, if you are in charge of groups of people, or if you're a part of a team and you're a member of an organization, I want you to listen to this podcast, take notes, share it with your colleagues, because this is an important conversation that you need to have. So when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging from a standpoint of a business case, we're always talking about mission, strategies, practices, uh, leading to a diverse work workplace, and, and, and ultimately this is meant to fuel our competitive business advantage. From a business perspective, a business case, that's what DEIB um, involves. From a human perspective, from an organizational culture perspective, from, cre- from the perspective of creating a community that allows us to innovate, to be creative, to feel at ease, to feel as if we can fully utilize our gifts, talents, and abilities, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are required. They're mandatory. They are things that your organization cannot be fully um, successful without. And so we're gonna start with this basic what is inclusion? We've got a lot of people that talk about it in in terms of quotas and in terms of compliance, but when we really think about it, what does inclusion look like? It looks like a sense of belonging. It looks like a sense of fairness. It looks like equal opportunities for everyone in your organization. It looks like teamwork and collaboration. It looks like open communication. It looks like people having a voice. Inclusion is more about what you do than what you don't. It is leading with and looking at things through the the perspective and the lens of how do I make the person in front of me feel as if they belong? How do I treat the person in front of me as if they are a whole human being? How do I celebrate the person in front of me for who they are and how do I make them feel welcome? So inclusion is an action word. It's not a checklist. And, and the elements of, conc- of inclusion come down to five things. Communication. How are you communicating with the people in front of you? How are you being, you know, open? How do you speak to one another? The second component uh, element of inclusion, listening. How much do you make space for and consider other, other people's perspectives and views? Are you the only voice in the room? Are you the only one that that, that or, or people that look like you? Are you guys the only ones that have input? Then we talk about empathy. How can you relate to what someone else is going through how and how they think? When George Floyd's murder occurred and there were protests regarding social justice and systemic racism, there were a number of people who couldn't understand why black Americans, were 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 taking to the streets to 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 raise their voice and say that their lives matter if you can't empathize with what someone feels like and the things that they go through having to feel as if they are a target then that's an issue it's not a political issue it's a human issue and the, the fourth element is consideration. How much do you shift your thinking from focusing solely on you and what you think or believe to considering what other people think, to considering how other people are affected and impacted? And finally, making room. How can you make room for others to have a seat at the table and be included in the conversation? It's not just about having them there, but about Inviting them to be truly actively participating while being there. And so I wanted to to stop right here because when we talk about diversity and inclusion, um, there's this whole checklist that people go through. But I want you to think of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging as a continuum. At the very lowest level is diversity, where you have different people from different parts you know, different backgrounds, different uh, social, economic status, different learning styles, different races, different cultures, different sexual orientation, different genders. You know, all of that, all of the check boxes. having them in the room is diversity, just having representation. Inclusion is when they are in the room, they are able to participate in the conversation. They're able to contribute to the activities going on. They're able to lend their voice. Equity is that they all have an equal opportunity to be equally heard, to be equally considered, to be equally valued, to equally contribute. And belonging is a sense that you feel as if you are welcomed and, appreciate and appreciated and you don't have to wonder if you fit in. So what does this look like in, in, in action? So when we think about the continuum of diversity, um, inclusion, equity, and belonging, if you have a team that is working on a project and you have people who are brand new, you have people who've been there for 20 years, you have people who are managers, people who are supervisors, people who you know are just regular employees, quote unquote, diversity means that you have a mixture of women, men. Uh, people from different sexual orientations, people from different cultures, people with different backgrounds, people with different learning styles, and they're all in the room in terms of different re- of representation. Inclusion means that each person is able to bring their, uh, their gifts and talents and abilities to the table, to participate in the project, to have a say-so in how the project is going, to be able to contribute, and to be actively participating in this whole project design um, and solution design process. Equity means that when someone speaks up, regardless of if they're a 20 year veteran or, some, or an intern that was just hired yesterday, their voice matters. They're able to contribute and their contributions are considered just as important as someone who is a leader, who's an executive, who's been with the company forever. Belonging means that the person who is in that room doesn't have to second guess whether or not they're saying the right thing, doing the right thing, or being the right type of person in order to belong. So that's the continuum. Diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging. That is what you want in your organization. That is your journey. And good intentions are only the beginning. Consistency is the goal. So yes, people want a checklist of what do I do in order to make sure that they are addressing this properly. People want a checklist to say, I don't want to do the wrong thing. People want a checklist to say, I'm not messing up, but let me also make you think about this from a different perspective. You cannot learn. You cannot grow. You cannot develop unless you make mistakes. So this is not something where you have to be perfect. It's not a case where you are not going to say something that offends someone or, or that's wrong. That's fine. Create a culture in a community where you welcome "quote unquote" failure because that's really learning. You're making mistakes. You're growing. You are attempting to take risks. That is what we welcome. That is what we want to see. So, inclusive workspaces—they are uh, contributing um, access where people have access to each other and to differing um, opportunities. There's attitude. Do you have an attitude in your organization that this is just something that we have to pay lip service to, and it's really not welcome or needed, and so you resist everything, or do you have an attitude where you're going in and you're genuine in your quest to learn and to grow and to become different and become better? Do you have choices where people can get involved in different ways and in different aspects? Because not everyone is exactly alike. And there are different ways in which people need to and want to and feel comfortable with participating in the process. Are there opportunities for partnerships where people aren't going at this alone? Do you have a culture of open communication where people feel informed and they feel as if their voices are being heard and they can contribute to the process? Are you enacting policies that are inclusive and diverse and that strive for equity and belonging? in everything that you do from your recruitment, to your hiring, to your onboarding, to your retention, to your succession and leadership and growth and development. Do you put your people first in the way that your policies are written so that everyone will feel as if they are truly belonging and they're in an equitable workplace? And finally, inclusive workplaces feature opportunities. Opportunities for people to shine just as they are, opportunities for them to show up fully, wholly, authentically as all of who they are without apologizing for it. What role would you play in creating an inclusive workplace? This isn't just on your HR director. This isn't just on your DNI person. This isn't the, the, the responsibility of a few people in your organization. This is something that is required of everyone in the organization to get on board. I often tell um, companies and organizations when I start working with them on their diversity, inclusion, and strategic uh, inclusion, equity, belonging, uh, strategic planning that at the beginning of the process, a lot of times you have one person. You know, you have 50% of the people that are on board fully. They're excited. They're ready to go. They they can't believe that this isn't happening. You know, fast enough. You have 25% of people who may be kind of, if they they know that they want the change, they know that the change needs to happen, but they're not quite sure what it looks like. And so they're reserving judgment. They're not against it, but they're not 100% on board. Then you may have 25% of people who really don't think it's necessary. They don't see what the big hoopla is. They don't see what the issues are. They really don't think that it's something that needs to be done. When you are working within your organizations to create a new culture, a new community, um, in which diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are things that are um, are staples of your organization. You have to keep this in mind in terms of where people in your organization fall on this dynamic and on this continuum. So I like to look at it as seeing the person through the trees. When you're looking um, from a 50,000 foot view at the forest, you see maybe a couple of independent trees or tops of trees or leaves but by and large it is a huge picture you don't see individual trees you don't see individual branches or leaves or anything like that it is just a a blob or a sea of green or a sea of gold depending on the season but then when you come down a little bit more and and seeing the forest is seeing groups it's seeing generalizations it's seeing sometimes stereotypes when you come down a little bit more now you see the individual groups within those stereotypes and you start looking at people um, in, in, in more pronounced, more individualized ways. So you see some trees, you see some branches, you can pick out individual bark and, and some things that are going on. And then when you walk right up to a tree, you can see the leaves, you can see the branches, you can see the individual patterns and, and indentations on that, on that tree's bark. That is when you're looking at the person in front of you. So the fifty thousand foot view is looking at all people of color, all you know, everything diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging related as one huge generalization. Coming down further, you start to see individual groups of people, people um, related to gender, or people related to um, sexual orientation, or um, age, or um, or race, or culture, or background, or experience. Those are groups. And then when you focus on the person in front of you, that is when you are seeing the tree in front of you, the individual, the leaves on the tree. That is when you are focusing on creating an environment where this person in front of you is able to feel welcome. They are able to feel as if they belong. They are able to feel as if they are part of something bigger. So ultimately, inclusion comes down to how you consider the individual in front of you to make them feel welcomed, valued, and accepted. I'll say it again. Ultimately, inclusion in action comes down to how you consider the individual in front of you to make them feel welcomed, valued, and accepted. And if you remember nothing else from this podcast, if you remember nothing else from what I take from what I told you today, remember that if you are at a loss of what to do, in order to make sure that you're creating a more inclusive and and diverse environment, if you want to have inclusion in action in your organization, remember the person in front of you. How do I make them feel welcomed, valued, and accepted? Now, with that said... The reason I say focus on the person in front of you is because when you're looking at implementing um, inclusive practices across your organization, inclusion is not one size fits all. So that means that you're going to have a variety of different strategies, a variety of different things that you implement in order to make sure that you are addressing a whole bunch of different people in a whole bunch of different situations and circumstances. So things to remember, consider the person in front of you. When in doubt, ask ask. There is no harm and and no shame in asking questions. Be genuine. Small gestures go a long way. Don't place the burden on the person to ask to be included. Take the initiative to welcome them, to include them. So some examples of what inclusion in action looks like. Learning to pronounce someone's name properly. Yes, something as small as that. If you think about it, my name the, the first thing that you get when you're born is a name. That is what I, what's the first thing that identifies you. And if you're not going to take the time to pronounce someone's name properly, you're telling them that you don't care about who they are. That it's too much trouble for you to be bothered with, with honoring them by, by calling them by the proper name. Stop giving people whose names that are hard for you to pronounce. Stop giving them nicknames that make it easier for you. Learn how to pronounce someone's name. That is making the person in front of you feel welcomed, valued, and accepted. Listening to them and who they are, being considerate of different perspectives, being an ally, speaking up for people who otherwise don't feel comfortable speaking up for themselves, rethinking the workplace cultural quote unquote norms. If all of you guys always go out after work for happy hour for drinks, what is that saying for people whose beliefs um, are is against drinking? How are you making them feel comfortable if you're always going to meet at bars? What about people who are battling an addiction and and going to bars or, or going out for drinks is triggering for them? What are the things that we can do to normalize inclusivity, to normalize welcoming as many different people as possible? And... The final thing is use of proper gender pronouns. Now, I will say this. I do not advocate mandating the use of gender pronouns and email signatures and and things like that because of the simple fact that one, if there is someone who is in your organization who has decided not to publicly come out to their their colleagues, you're going to force that. Either they will be um, be forced to uh, own who they are and, and include their gender pronoun in a way that causes them to have uncomfortable conversations that they're not ready for at work. Or it may be a situation where if they they want to keep the gender pronoun that is associated with what people perceive them as being, you're forcing them to adopt something that's not truly who they are. So I don't advocate mandating the use of gender pronouns, but encouraging people to use it. And if someone tells you that their gender pronoun is something different than what they look like to you physically, be respectful and use it. So ultimately, once again, inclusion in action comes down to how you consider the individual in front of you, making them feel welcomed, valued, and accepted. If you lead with that, if you think from that perspective, you will be well on your way to creating a more inclusive community and a culture within your organization. This is not one size fits all. This is not something you're going to learn overnight. But if you leave this podcast with one thought, one thing that you remember, inclusion in action is about how you feel. You make the person in front of you feel welcomed, valued, and accepted. And seeing the person in front of you, relating to them, communicating with them, having a sense of of connection with them, empathizing with them. Now, there are some people, and I will play devil's advocate here, there are some people who say, Well, this goes and applies to everyone, especially in this political climate right now, where you have people who voted for and were supporters of of, of our 45th president and people who are supportive of the new president elect. And when you think about it, they're like, hey, we've got our political differences and our political ideals, and I should be I have every right to express how I feel. I have every right to say that I am anti-Semitic. I have every right to express racist views. I have every right to do that because that's who I am. Well, there's a sense of right and wrong. There's a sense of moral obligation, moral justice. And when you look at and at racism and sexism and anti-Semiticism and ageism and discrimination and hatred, and vitriol and, and 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 everything that is wrong with treating people as less than those don't have a place in our in our society that is not treating someone the way you would like to be treated that is not welcoming people and making them feel valued and appreciated and included that is spewing hate that is setting yourself up as being better than someone else purely and solely because of the fact that they look differently than you, or they have a different background than you, or their names, or they speak a different language than you, or they have a different sexual orientation than you. Hatred in any form is not acceptable. So no, it is not disingenuous for people who are proponents of diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging. It is not counterintuitive or hypocritical for us to say that hate speech and, and, um, and discrimination and racism will be tolerated because we need to embrace everyone. No, I need to be respectful of your right to express your views, but I don't have to embrace them. And that's the thing that I think people don't understand. We're not here to change you. If that's what you wanna be, fine. What we're here to make sure that we do is to create an environment and a culture where everyone feels comfortable. Everyone feels safe, regardless of their differing views. This political climate in the U.S. today, the, the issues that we're dealing with when it comes to the pandemic today, it has driven a wedge between people because of the simple fact that people have not learned how to express their opinions or their thoughts in ways that are respectful. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask not in your in in your circles in your private circles where where that's not going to impact you but also don't don't deride me for my my choice to wear one don't villainize me don't attack me because i want to don't speak to me in a way that is disrespectful or try to do bodily harm to me because i choose to wear a mask that is where we draw the line that is why diversity inclusion equity and belonging is so important if you can't re- disagree respectfully if you can't look at people and, and and say you have a right to your opinion but ultimately looking at a collective good at what's best for everybody no you don't have to wear a seatbelt in your car if you don't choose to But there's a law that says you do. And if you're caught without a seatbelt, then there's penalties for that. And the reason the law came about is because people were dying unnecessarily and seatbelts were saving lives. There are certain things that you're just not allowed to do if it harms you or it harms other people. We don't live in a vacuum. We don't live in a bubble. We are not isolated. We are integrated and connected with everyone around us. There is a ripple effect to our actions. There is a ripple effect to the ways in which we think. There's a ripple effect to the the processes and procedures that we put in place. There's a ripple effect of of impact on everyone around us. And so when you think about that and you start looking at this as how do I create an environment where inclusion happens in action, where inclusion happens actually is seen and felt and heard where we move from simply making people feel as if they're welcome inviting them to the table and then offering them an opportunity to contribute where we move from that to a true sense of safety and belonging these things take time but they require a concerted effort what do I need to do to make the person in front of me feel welcomed, valued, and appreciated? I hope this has been helpful for you. I do. Um, there is actually a learning session that I lead for organizations on inclusion in action where I go into more detail about the concepts that I presented in this podcast um, as well as doing more of a deep dive into what inclusion actually looks like in your particular work environment. So please reach out to me. Uh, my website is carsgroup.com, that's K-A-R-S group.com. You can click on my speaking tab, um, or, or just click on the Let's Talk link and schedule a time to talk about how I can work with you and your organization to create a more inclusive, engaging, and productive environment and community. There's a number of things that I work with organizations on, um, you know, equipping people to embrace, manage, and lead through change is the primary focus. But we also work with people on engagement, learning, and leadership, and what that looks like to create an organization that is successful and that is sustainable across years, so that it goes beyond just you, and it and allows you to be able to leverage your leadership and leverage your people to create an environment that is going to be more successful for all of you. So please, please, please reach out to me. Um, Even if you want to tell me, um, give me your comments on this particular podcast, you can follow me on social media. Um, You can look me up either under the CARS group or under my name, Keisha A. Rivers. Um, Also, please tune in and listen to the Mindset to Mastery podcast. I have two episodes per week, each 30 minutes. Um, One during the week focuses on professional development, learning, um, and leadership, um, as this episode did, and how we need to shift our mindset in order to master our success in that way. And then there's an episode that airs on the weekend um, on Sundays that is about a special edition um, called Equip for Change, where we talk about the ways in which you can embrace, lead, and manage um, through change personally um, in your growth and development. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow, subscribe, subscribe. Um, Reach out to me if you uh, so desire and be sure to tune in next time for another episode of Mindset to Mastery. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President, Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace, manage, and lead through change. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Bye-bye.